Dr. Chaim Ginot, a famous doctor dealing with behavioral issues in children, in 1965 tells a story of a couple that were traveling from Pittsburgh to New York on a, after spending their holiday weekend uh, in Pittsburgh and uh, their son in the back is sitting quietly and uh, they're driving and after a couple of hours of driving by the time they get to the Lincoln Tunnel the mom looks back and realizes that uh, you know Joey's been sitting there very quietly and she turns around and she says Joey you're such a good boy you're such a smart little boy sitting there so quietly and in they go to the tunnel and little Joey looked around found an ashtray full of cigarettes those days that's what it looked like in cars and grabbed it and suddenly they were pummeled they were all over with cigarette butts and they looked around and the mom wondered, Dr. Ginot says, what did I just do wrong? I just praised this child. I just told him how good he was. I realized that after sitting there for a couple of hours, he didn't make a noise. He was so well behaved. Well, unbeknownst to them, they found out, he writes a couple of weeks later, is that while they were driving, right before the mom said what she did in praising him, he was thinking to himself as they entered the tunnel that he would have liked his car to be, this car of theirs to be split right in half so that his mom is okay, his father is okay, he's okay, but his little baby brother it gets hit by the splitting of the car. Because he was watching as for the last couple of hours his parents were playing with his little brother and he was ignored completely. And after having that thought, there goes his mom and calls him, What a good boy you are, Joey. What does he have to do? He has to prove to mom and dad he's not such a good boy. So we don't know what children are thinking when we, again, what we talked about, about putting a label of praise upon them, when we don't know exactly what is happening. So, what Ginot talks about is that he says that praise consists of two parts. It's what we say to the children and what the children think about what we say, what they tell themselves. So just clearly what he says is we need to praise their effort, their help, their work, their consideration, their creation or accomplishment. And our words should be framed so that it will almost be inevitable for the child to come to a conclusion about who he is and what he is, but let the child come to that conclusion. And when children cannot help but come to a conclusion about what it is that the parents have praised them about, or a teacher has praised them about, then they can own that story, and it's not about them 
in any way reacting inappropriately or thinking that maybe it's not working for them. So let me give you one or two examples. A little girl, 11 years old, is told, please, Hanala, can you clean up the house? And she does a great job in cleaning up. And the mother says to the little girl, Hanala, the house was so dirty. I couldn't believe it could be done so quickly. She says, yep, I did it. It was so, there was so much garbage all over the place. And you, you know, look at it. It's all so clean. I cleaned it up. You put in so much effort into it, Hanala. I sure did. And it's so clean, it's sparkling clean. It's a pleasure to look at. Yes, it's nice, says Hanala. Your beaming face, Hanala, says you're proud of yourself. Is that true? Yes, I am. And then the mother says, thank you. And Hanala says, you're welcome. And that evening, she can't wait for her father to come home and tell him about all her accomplishments and all her ability. Not to be shy about it, not to be meek about what it is that she did, because there was no labeling of what she did in any way, shape, or form. So, when we talk about what it is that we're noticing in our children, we have to remember that it is their accomplishment. Now, theorists about how to deal with children come and go. And you can have different theories. There are thousands and thousands of books that you can walk into any bookstore today and find ways differently to deal with different children. You can glean some good things from all of them. What I would like to suggest is that within Tyra, there are generalities that if we can follow them, it can help us do the best we can for our children. Occasionally you have great thinkers that come along and tell us what to do. It's almost like they're projecting what it is that the Torah is already telling us to do. They're just fine-tuning it. What's interesting to me is that there was a mom that um, I did some training with about how to deal with her children. And uh, after two weeks, she calls me up. She says, it's not working. It's not working. I said, what's the problem? She says, I've been complimenting my children day and night. It's not working. I said, excuse me? Complimenting? Yeah, well, isn't that what you told me? Well, what I've noticed is that sometimes when you tell people certain things, they almost come to conclusions about what they understand they need to do. And by doing that, you're almost exacerbating the situation. So it's very important that you understand clearly what it is that we're talking about here. Because some of the latest research that has come out is um, by a, um, a woman called Carol Dweck. 
and uh, she's done some research, research at Columbia and at Stanford, and she was researching praise. And without going into much detail, she took randomly fifth graders and gave them a test. A test that they all did well in. After the test, randomly, she took different children and praised them in different ways. Some of them she praised for, quote, their intelligence. You must be smart to know this, to understand this. And some of them she praised, you must have worked really hard to make this mark. It must have taken a lot of effort. And sure enough, they took another test. And the other test was a very difficult one, and they were told that by taking that test, they will learn something different. They will gain some knowledge. And the results were that the children who were praised for their intelligence, their marks went down. The children who were praised for their effort and their accomplishment made a greater effort because it was a difficult test and they wanted to make, to, to make it good at the test because their effort was appreciated and they knew and they understood that that's what it'll take for them to do well. What she did throughout her testing, she continued and she realized that the more there was emphasis on, oh, what a smart kid you are, what a bright little boy you are, what a bright girl you are, when the more they did that, the less the effort was. And there's a continuation of this particular research, you can look it up again, it's Dr. Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. But what she did notice, that if children were told that intelligence can be developed. Intelligence is something that's like a muscle. The more you work it, the more you make effort, the greater your intelligence will be. That's what worked. Almost a one statement like that in particular classes where they did research, that helped them do well. So, what this reminds me of, and what the reason it makes sense to me, is that the concept of Hasidus that it says, little light pushes away much darkness. When you're sitting in a dark room, you don't fight the darkness, you light a match. And poof goes a lot of the darkness. She light another match and more darkness leaves. So when you think about what it is that we're doing with children, is when you create more light in their lives, that it pushes away a lot of the darkness. Not fighting the negative, but engaging with the positive. I want to tell you just an interesting story, which brings out this point in a different way. I have a, a, um, a brother-in-law who one day had a stroke, and uh, fortunately, 
and um, in describing to me how he went through it, he said that his therapists were working hard to get him to be able to move his right hand. And they were pulling it and, and, and nudging him. And when he was hesitant, they said, you know, no pain, no gain, Jake. You got to just push yourself. And it was hard. He just couldn't move his right hand. One day, a different kind of therapist, Feldenkrais therapist, came along and said, Jake, you know how to move your right arm? Your left arm, rather? He says, yeah, all the time. Goes up and down. He said to him, do you know how to do that? You know how you do that? He said, no. I just do it. It moves. So, he spent some time with me, giving me some kind of feeling and understanding of what it takes for me to move my left arm. And then he said to me, Jake, close your eyes. Don't try to move your right arm, but try to put your, the feeling that you're getting or that you understand you're putting in the left arm to move it. Try to put it into the right arm. See what happens. But don't, you don't have to move it. He said, up went my arm. just with a 10% understanding of what it means for me to move my left arm, my right arm moved. So, in children's lives, there are parts of their lives that are working, and there are parts of their lives that are not working. And when we emphasize, and when we make them understand and as we talked, we thicken the story and we make visible for them what it is that's working. Because there's always parts of them that are working. There's always aspects of them that are working. That if we notice that, and when we give them that understanding in the words that we use to, in, to encourage them by recognizing their accomplishments, their efforts, so that they have a good story about who they are, that, in general, is what I would call the concept, that you're almost lighting up a part of their lives that works, and so that they can then move to be able to affect movement in the parts of them that are not working so well, so that it affects all of them. The Gemara... I want you to open up the um, curriculum. The Talmud says that uh, Rav said to Rav Shmuel when you hit a child don't hit him hard, hit him with a shoelace. You know, what does that mean with a shoelace? If you're going to hit a child, maybe you need to hurt the child. Why would you want to hit him if you're not going to hurt him? So, what my understanding of this Gemara is, is that 
it's not about punishment with children. It's about giving children an understanding of their boundaries, of what it is that they're doing wrong, so that they understand it clearly with no misunderstandings. And at that point, you just remind them that they've crossed the line, that you did wrong. And now you need to take responsibility and you, we need to trust them that they've learned. If we raise our voices, if we use not shoelaces but belts in a metaphoric way of speaking, if we use a punishment, it doesn't work. If we use a consequence, if children start understanding that all that is happening is that what, for whatever action they do, there is a consequence. Consequence doesn't mean their lives are taken away. You're grounded, you can't do this, you can't have that, you can't have anything. Just understand that whatever you do wrong, there's a consequence. Whatever you do wrong, there is something that you're going to have to pay for it. So, let's assume that a child uses a, um, a Nintendo, or a child uh, plays basketball outside. A child um, likes uh, uh, playing on, on, on some form of uh, computer games. You tell them, today, because of what you did, you have three minutes less. Depend how old the child is, five minutes less. That's your consequence. Children will say, well, I don't care. I don't care is not an issue. The main concept here is that they know that for whatever they do wrong, there is a consequence. And we haven't talked about this, but the reason I'm saying this is that it's not something that you take their lives away for because then you're energizing the negative. You, when you're energizing the negative, the children will continue doing this. Ginot, in his understanding of children, says, when you tell a child, I don't, mommy doesn't want you to play on the couch. What the child hears, play on the couch. Mommy wants me to play on the couch. Don't play ball in the house. Mommy wants me to play ball in the house. That's what they hear. So, when we tell children things, when we warn them about what it is that we don't want them to do, and we energize that, we give them warnings, that's what they will continue doing. So Gennad says, for example, that you tell a child, a couch is made to sit on. You want to climb? Climbing is outside on the ladder. Balls are made to not... Dining rooms, living rooms are not made to play with, play ball with. You want to go play ball? You need to go outside. That's where you can play ball. So you redirect the child. And when you redirect them, then the child is not fighting you. And ultimately, by having the child understand, by not getting the lectures and not energizing the negative, but understanding it is the way it is that you need to talk to your child so that they do what it is that you want them to do because you're guiding them and you're lighting up the part of their lives that's working. You're lighting up the part of their lives that, that you feel they are doing right. Then the child will follow your directions. In conclusion, the, um, the second part of your 
curriculum in in the Klalei Hachinuch Vahadracha of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. He writes over there, Hamechanech Vahamadrich Tzorich Ladas Ki Loyorak Pizgomim Matimim Linyone Eroisov Nogim Vikorot Eles Hachinuch Vahadracha. An educator or counselor must realize that not only is it essential for him to use appropriate phrases in his lessons, but that their manner of expression, whether he expresses them politely and patiently or irritably or derisively, also affects the foundation of education and guidance. It's how we say it and what we say. We need to remember that our words, again, are very powerful. And it's not only the words of negativity, it's also the words of positivity. We need to be in touch with what children are in touch with today. So, there are many different theories, and there are many different experts on what it is that we need to do and we need not do. But if you look into these experts' ideas, and you also glean them, and you put them in touch with what Torah says, then you can have an understanding of what it is that may work sometimes better than some of the other ideas. Just to explain this concept of Ma'at Er, the Chahar B'Choshech, a little light pushes away much darkness. A principal once called me, and said they have a problem in this classroom. And um, one child is being picked on, an 11-year-old girl, and all the children are picking on her, without exception. And they've been trying to work on this for months, and nothing has worked. They've tried to talk to the kids, they try to talk to the picked-on child because some of the stuff she was doing was maybe, as they say, asking for it. So when I came in, I said I would like to have the, all the teachers, all the principals, and the coaches. I want to know from everyone what the story was. And they started telling me exactly how it is and what it is that the children are doing and how devastating it is to this child. And when I listened, the principal said, so you want me to bring in the child? I said, no, I, I really don't want to see the child. What I'm looking for is I want you to think about the whole classroom, and I want you to think about which two children who are leaders, two little girls who are leaders in the class, who, if asked, will take a strong position of standing up to the rest of the kids, leading in another direction, and who that would possibly be. Can we come up with two names out of 20 Samad kids? The principals and the teachers and the coach discussed back and forth. After about 10 minutes, they came to a conclusion with these two little girls. So he said, so what now? He says, well, I want you to bring these two little girls in here. And the two little girls came in, and I started telling them how 
sometimes children can be very mean and how a child can really suffer from that meanness. However, because nothing works sometimes, it takes two young ladies like yourselves who will take a stand and do a kindness that will save a life to some extent. And what I asked them was not to actually stand up, but just not participate with the other kids the next time that everybody's making fun of this young lady. Just to stand back, not participate. If they have the strength to actually stop them, that would be great. But that I didn't ask for. I just said, just move back. Every time you see them picking on this girl, whether it's in the play field or whether it's in one of the classrooms, just move back. Or it's in the dining room, move back. Stay away. Don't participate. And I said to them, if you don't want to do this, you need to tell me now. No one's going to know it. The only ones that are going to know about this whole story are the teachers and the principals that are in this room. And I don't want you to tell this to any of the other kids. You can tell your parents about this, but no one else will know. And after thinking for a moment, the two little girls said, one at a time, yes, we will do it. So number one, these two children were given the opportunity to do something so unique, so special. And second of all, there was going to be a life saved. And sure enough, within a period of three to four or five days, it dissipated. It became much less. It was no longer the intensive problem that it was. I'm not sure whether it completely left it, but it was no longer what it used to be. It was no longer a problem. Now, when the principal realized that it was a good idea, she asked me, so did you study this? Did you learn this? I said, no. I said, this action was guided by my understanding is that there was darkness in that classroom. Something was wrong. How will I come up with something that will light up that room? What can I do that will ignite that room and will no longer be affected by this darkness? And I figured that if I lit two matches in a dark room, it'll, it'll be lit up. And that's exactly what happens. So if you're guided by some of these ideas, which are based in Torah, again, as I said earlier, with no anger, and I know that all of us have difficulty with anger, I'm not trying to minimize that, but if you work with that, and then if the concept of of a little light pushes away much darkness in every one of our lives, again, if you allow for that to guide you, then you can walk into any situation almost and adapt to it and make it work. Have a good evening.